0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this pre-recorded broadcast of Shooting From the Hip. I'm your host, Mark Avery, from Sim Trainer, the Dayton Area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com, can call us at the range at area code 937-293-3914, or stop down and see us. Our range is located at 2031 Dryden Road, right across from the AES Ohio Power Company maintenance yard. We'd be glad to discuss with you any of your firearms needs and interests. As I mentioned, this is a pre-recorded show, so obviously I can't take calls today. You can still reach me by going to our website at sim-trainer.com and clicking on the contact tab to open the form and send an email. If you have an immediate question, the range is open until the show is over, so you can call there directly at 937-293-3914. And if the staff member on duty doesn't have an answer to your question, I'll try to answer as soon as practical. One of the reasons you might wanna call over there is because our buy one, get one, half price offer is just about ready to end. We offered this for April and May. The last basic handgun class is going to be on Monday, the 16th at 6 p.m. So if you would like to get uh, you and a friend to come in and be able to get one of those for half price, the total for both of you being 172.50, which is normally $115 a piece. You'll be able to do that. Basically, you need to sign up this weekend or Monday sometime during the day to take that class and get the buy one, get one half off price. We don't have any more concealed carry classes. The last one is going on right now. So uh, you'll the, the, the last opportunity for you to take care of that buy one, get one half off is Monday on the 16th for the basic handgun class. Now, that's still a great opportunity for you to get the basic fundamentals that you need to prepare yourself for the concealed carry class coming up later, or just to get the skills that you need to be legally able to uh, carry your firearm and be functional and be effective and to be safe, uh, and especially to learn which firearm is the right firearm for you. We've talked about this several times And I don't think I can emphasize it enough because there's a lot of people who still ask us what's the right gun for me and expect us to tell them that. We can't tell you. You have to figure that out for yourself, but we will help you do that. And that's one of the great things that happens during the basic handgun class is you get to figure out which is the right gun for you. We first start out with the basic fundamentals, safety, uh, the the proper uh, operation of the firearm, how do you load, charge, makes ready, make it safe clear malfunctions, those sorts of things, place an accurate shot, grip, side alignment, and trigger control, and then we go out into the range, and we take a bunch of firearms out there with us, and we give you an opportunity to first work on some of those fundamentals and get a little bit comfortable with them with one of those guns, and then we rotate you through the different guns so you have an opportunity to try several different firearms and figure out which one is the right one for you. You know, there are so many firearms available on the market right now, so many great firearms from the major manufacturers, most of them in the U.S., but there are some others as well that are good. And we want you to make sure that before you buy a gun, you're buying a gun that works for you. You can easily determine by just holding a gun in your hand which guns you don't like. And there are that's pretty easy. Their, their guns are different shapes and your hands are different shapes and sometimes uh, people with a smaller hand don't like some guns and like others better. I have large hands. There are some guns I just have a hard time shooting because they're too small for me and that's real easy to figure out. If you have a, a sample of a gun that you can try, maybe a dummy gun even in the same shape, you can figure out very easily that these are guns I don't like. And then the hard part is Now, how do you figure out which of the ones that are left are the ones you really do like? And it's almost impossible to do that if you have not had a chance to shoot that gun. We've seen so many people come in with a gun that they bought at a gun store or at a gun show, and they held it in their hand and they liked the way it felt. It's it's an easy weight for them. It balances well in their hand. It's got a, a good, comfortable grip for them. They may or may not have ever pulled the trigger. In most cases, the answer is no, and then they get out into the range and the first time they pull that trigger maybe it's too heavy for them to pull or if they can pull it, then when the gun goes off, the recoil or just the way the gun feels in their hand when it fires or the shape of their hand and the shape of the gun maybe with uh, with safeties or whatever other uh, things that are part of the operation of that particular uh, model and then they they just have a difficult time shooting it and especially shooting it reliably. That's something that is really sad because now you've got this gun you've paid for it you've used it and once you've taken it out of the store for the most part it's considered a used gun and you're never going to get back the full amount that you paid for it now with the market being what it is today maybe there's things that you'd be able to sell that gun for what you paid for it or maybe even more um, but that's not going to last forever and that's pretty uncommon so the best way to do that is to try the gun out before you've had, you've actually paid for the gun, and that's what we let you do in our basic handgun class. So if you're interested in that, if you're interested in finding the right gun for you, learning the basic fundamentals of operating that gun, and getting a little bit of time with it under your belt, in the range, under a supervised environment, and you'd like to get 50% off one class when you and a friend or somebody else in your family perhaps comes to that class, The last chance for you to do that with this offer is on Monday the 16th. So um, call a range at area code 293-3914, sign up for that class. Uh, First, I'd recommend you go out to our website at sim-trainer.com and then find the basic handgun class. It's under classes, basic handgun. And then sign up for that class for you and a friend and put in the comments that you are uh, taking advantage of the buy one, get one offer. That allows you to get the second uh, class for half price and then call the range and uh, give them your payment. Uh, or if you haven't uh, already done so and you want to take the chance that maybe the class isn't full, you could come to the class. You, you'd want to come early uh, for the class that starts at six o'clock. So, you know, be there before the range closes at, at four that day would probably be your best bet uh, to, to ensure that you do, in fact, have a slot for that class and get some dinner and come back to class. Or, you know, you could just show up about 5.30 or so. That would be your, that, that's the least preferred option. But if that's uh, when you decide you can do it and you come in with a friend, just come on out to the, to the range. And if there's still some slots available in that class, then you can get those, uh, again, using the buy one, get one half off price. That's going to be the last class that we have that's part of that deal. And uh, if you're interested in that, uh, go ahead and check out the website sign up for the class and call the range at 937-293-3914 to make payment and confirm your spot in the class. Next month, of course, is when permitless carry goes into effect on the 13th of June. So if you are interested in getting some more information about that, we are planning on having a class. What we would like to get from you is some idea of when it works best for you to take that class. The options really are evenings during the week, sometime on Saturday, or maybe Sunday. And uh, if, if you have a preference as to when you can, could even be during the day during the week, as far as that goes for people who uh, are retired and maybe or, or work on uh, off schedule and would like to take it during the day. That's a class that we might be able to offer uh, at, a, at a, an unusual time. Uh, times other than when we currently have offered our concealed carry class So if you're interested in that it's going to be shorter probably four or five hours something like that Call the range at nine three seven two nine three three nine one four or send us an email by using the contact Link on our web page at sim-trainer.com and give us some idea as to what you would like to see uh, that when you would like to see that class offered uh we are still putting that class together, so we're still building content. If you're interested in something in particular that you'd like to have included, you can tell us that as well. Uh, obviously, we're going to cover the uh, the legal questions, the legal issues associated with permitless carry, and what the changes are, how that affects people who have a concealed hang-on license, people who don't have a concealed hang-on license, never had one. Uh, it's it's a little bit more of a risk for somebody who's never had a license because there may be some things you're not aware of. Uh, and so we're going to try to cover that material and, and give you as as much as you can. Uh, it's certainly not going to be an, uh, a, a comprehensive thesis on everything having to do with concealed carry because we can't do that in that level of time. But we do want to give you something that you can then use to say, all right, these are the things I need to make sure that are right in, in my life and in, in all my history to make sure that I really am a qualified Uh, qualifying adult, which the the law defines and tells you the things that has to be in order to make that happen. So uh, we're going to cover all of those things. We're looking at scheduling those classes and if you have some thoughts about when you would like to see that class available, uh, go ahead and send us an email by going to the contact link at sim-trainer.com or you can call during our open hours and talk to whoever's on staff uh, that's working the desk that day. And then uh, we'll take down some information and make sure that we incorporate that in, in our scheduling plans. So we want to make that as available as possible. Uh, it is still a, a, a you know, class that we have to schedule and work around. It will include some shooting. So you need to have your firearm that you plan on carrying uh, or a firearm, at least, that's suitable for carry. And if you don't, you'd be able to rent one from us. But uh, it would, should be something that you are familiar with. So, again that takes me back to the question about can, the basic handgun class. And if you haven't had that class, or if you don't uh, have a firearm that you're very comfortable with, I strongly recommend that you sign up for that last BOGO class, find somebody else to come with you and take that, that uh, basic handgun class so that you will be able to um, be able to be comfortable with that. And when we get into the range, you will be uh, able to uh, come complete that course of fire. It's not a qualification course of fire, there's no pass-fail on that, but it's something that if you're not already familiar with your handgun, you may have some difficulty with. Of course, the first weekend of June also brings our First Shots class. So if you're interested in getting uh, some an introduction to firearms, maybe some, first you and someone in your family, the Saturday, the 4th of June, will be our First Shots class from noon to 3. It's a great way to demystify firearms it's a whole lot of fun. It's all 22s. We provide everything. It's only $25 a person. So again, you can sign up for that on our website and then uh, call the range to confirm your slot. We also are planning to restart in June our advanced handgun series. It's not yet on the calendar. It should be coming up very soon. But if you're interested in that, you can go out to our website at sim-trainer.com and sign up for the advanced carry, advanced can, um, handgun class as well. Handgun one, advanced handgun one, is where in addition to Mastering Marksmanship Fundamentals, we also cover the proper use of a holster and how to draw from a holster. So that's something that regardless of whether you've had concealed carry uh, or our unlicensed carry class that will be coming up soon, we don't go to get into that level of detail in carrying. And it's something that a lot of people don't realize, that you need to learn how to do that correctly, practice it, Just like anything else that you practice with your firearm, drawing from a holster and especially reholstering needs to be done very carefully in order for it to be safely. And so uh, we do include that in our advanced handgun level one class. So that's something that if you've never done that before, never been trained to do that before and had some formal instruction on how to do that correctly, that's a great way to do that in our advanced handgun level one class. So, again, that will be coming up in June. All right, I'm going to need to take a break here in just a minute. But before I do, I want to open a a discussion topic that we'll talk a little bit more out about after the break. And that is what the ATF is trying to do to federal licensed firearms dealers. We have mentioned that. I've mentioned that in an earlier show. The the Biden administration has uh, directed the ATF to have a zero tolerance policy with anything having to do with FFL records. And so when FFLs are inspected by the ATF, if they find discrepancies, uh, the there are there's the possibility that their federally licensed uh, status could be forfeit, that they would lose their federal firearms license. And we've known this was possible and we have seen a little bit of an increase. And now we have some more uh, definitive statistics that have been brought to us by the national, uh, the uh, well between the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Second Amendment Foundation, we have a lot more information on that. So I'll get that, get to that after the break. This is Mark Avery for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
1: It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Avery, for Shooting From the Hip. glad that you've joined us this Saturday afternoon. Right before the break, I opened a brief discussion on some things that are going on with the ATF and revoking federally licensed firearms dealers' licenses. Here's the problem. What the Biden administration has been unable to do through legislation, they are doing through regulation. And it's not just in this area, but that's that's the way they've been doing it in several other areas that they've been unable to get any sort of consensus in Congress to be able to pass laws that do the things that the administration wants to do. So they're doing it through regulation. And one of those regulatory changes that's going on right now is in the way that Federally licensed firearms dealers are being managed and supervised by the ATF. That is their job. That's what the ATF is supposed to do, and firearms dealers are supposed to comply with the law, which, for the most part, uh, is is the way most of the firearms dealers operate in compliance with the law. There are um, about five things that they are using now to say if you if you do not comply with these five requirements. The first time that we discover a discrepancy, they will uh, automatically revoke your license. And and they have to do that willfully. And let me get to that in just a minute, maybe after the next break. Uh, but the five things that they are is if you transfer a firearm to a prohibited person, if you uh, fail to run a required background check, if you falsify records, such as the firearms transaction form, the 4473, if you fail to respond to an ATF tracing request, or if you are refusing to m- permit the ATF to conduct an inspection in violation of the law. So those all seem like the kinds of things that you should do as a federally licensed firearms dealer. For example, uh, responding to an ATF tracing request. The way those work is the, uh, a law enforcement activity has a firearm. They want to know where it came from. They wanted to know who may have had it, where, what the what the path may have been. So who was a who was the least the last legal possessor of this firearm, as far as there are records for it. Now, as we've mentioned several times, there are things about those tracing requests that you may or may not uh, be able to get any usable information from the result. So they get the firearm, they they have a firearm, it's got a serial number on it, uh, it has a manufacturer. They go to the manufacturer, they find out where that firearm was first sold from the manufacturer who did they sell it to typically that would be a distributor and so the distributor then has records that shows that they received that firearm they look it up they find out who it was they sent that firearm to which dealer or possibly another distributor and it goes down through the chain until you get to the first retail sale so as a federally licensed firearms dealer and we sell new firearms we have a 4473 for the people that we have sold firearms to for the last 20 years. We haven't been open that long, so we have all of them. So those records then are kept at the federally licensed firearms dealer. It's traced from each of those different purchases through to the end where the firearms dealer has sold it to uh, to a, an individual. And uh, that ends the trace. Well, if we get a trace request, because they have gotten to our distributor, the distributor said it went to Sim Trainer. then we have to respond to that trace request. Seems reasonable enough. The problem is, if we didn't receive the trace request, if for some reason we did not receive that phone call, didn't get the message, it was sent to the wrong place and we didn't know it or something happened, then we could be have our license revoked because we did not get the trace request and therefore did not respond to it. And because we did not respond to a trace request, we did not receive, they might try to pull our license. We would have to prove that for some reason we did not receive that. And what's happened, one of the things that's happened is that the ATF is now outsourcing the tracing and they don't necessarily maintain records of all of the people that they've contracted with and they might send the request to the contractor and the contractor's no longer doing it and doesn't send any say anything or hasn't sent anything back. And then we lose our firearms license because the contractor wasn't even there to receive the trace request request. Sounds like fun, right? How would you like to be in that kind of a trick? Well, we'll talk about that more after this next break. This is Mark Avery for Shooting From The Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO dayton's news and talk
1: it's an ask the expert weekend on dayton and springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station 1290 and 95.7 whio dayton's news and talk it's our ask the expert weekend on the miami valley radio station with breaking news weather and traffic 1290 and 95.7 whio dayton's news and talk
0: welcome back to the show this is mark avery for shooting from the hip glad that you've been able to tune in this afternoon if uh, you are new to the show, let me encourage you to go to our website at sim-trainer.com slash radio and find out a little bit more about the, the show. We also have links to our podcast there. So if you have missed some shows and you want to go back and get them, you can get up to the last 60 hours of the show in the podcast. And uh, we also have uh, links to our Facebook, and which is facebook.com slash simtrainer. Uh, and and there's other information that you can get there. Some history of the show and uh, some previous shows also saved on that on that uh, page. So if you would like to uh, get that information, you can go back, find out a little bit more about the show there at sim-trainer.com/radio. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the ATF and how they have uh, kind of changed the rules for federally licensed firearms dealers. And they've basically said, if you try to, if you try to do something but you fail, uh, we're going to consider that willful. So there's no more room for any kind of mistakes. Everything must be done perfectly, with all the records associated with maintaining your federal firearms license, including uh, transact all the transaction records. There there cannot be any mistakes on those. If there are any mistakes and they find them, they're going because they have identified clearly what is required. And therefore, if you did not do that, it must have been willful. It couldn't possibly have been, you know, human error. We can't, we can't uh, assume that there's ever human error. We have to assume that you did it willfully and that therefore that you were trying to uh, in some way uh, defraud or uh, cause a problem for the ATF. So that's just not the way that federally licensed firearms dealers operate. They do their very best to get the things right. It's possible to make a mistake. We're all human. So what is the magnitude of this change over the last, well, they they implemented this policy in June of last year, so it's been about 11 months. On average, about 40 FFLs are revoked each year. And in the last 11 months, since this zero tolerance policy has been implemented, the ATF has revoked 273 licenses, an increase of more than 500%. Well, are all of these licensees that got theirs revoked, were they all doing terrible things? We've had some examples of licensees who were doing wrong things. They were, they were illegally trafficking firearms and using their FFL as a means to do that until they got caught and they got their hand slapped or thrown in jail. And I don't have a problem with that. If you're violating the law, you're violating the law. You might not agree with the law. I certainly don't agree with most of the laws having to do with firearms. In fact, I think they're blatantly unconstitutional but until we get them changed we either have to follow them or get out of the business and that's uh, that's the choice that we have that's not the choice some of those people made but 273 in the last 11 months when it's been average of 40 a year prior to that so why is that well i mentioned one of them is just because if you failed to respond to an atf tracking request that you never actually received because the ATF wasn't keeping up with who they were having run those traces, that would be one. If you're transferring, uh, if you failed to run a required background check, uh, or you, well, here's another one, falsifying records. And, and the firearms transaction form, the 4473, if you make a mistake on there, you and you write something down, but you transpose numbers, or... And, and that's something that I am notorious about doing. so I have to be very, very careful when I'm filling out those forms not to do that, not to transcribe the number incorrectly. Um, and you well, that could be a serial number, it could be a zip code, it could be a birthday, it could be anything if you don't get that written down correctly. now the person who fills out the form, also has to fill that out correctly, but then it's up to the FFL to confirm it, and it's the FFL that's held accountable for a mistake that somebody might have made when they filled out the form with their own information. Uh, so that's why you may have noticed that it takes a while to go through that process. That's because fi- firearms licensees now are very have to be very cautious about how those forms get filled out and make sure that everything is perfect in order for them not to be held in some sort of problem by the ATF. Now, is it completely the ATF's fault? Well, no, really, this goes back to the DOJ and the changes that Biden has implemented by are under his direction that were made uh, to implement this zero-tolerance policy. So we're talking about a massive number of federally licensed firearms dealers who already have lost their licenses, and there would have been many more if it weren't for people who are defending them and making sure that all of the things that they're being uh, accused of were things that actually happened. Like for example, uh, what I mentioned earlier. So uh, we now have at the, we, the um, national, uh, the uh, Second Amendment Foundation sent a, and I'm part of the Second Amendment Foundation. I've been uh, a member for some time. If you would like to become a member and help to support this effort, I would strongly recommend it. It's open to everybody, unlike the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which again Sim Trainer is also a member of. That's for industry only, so not everybody is going to be part of that. But if you would like to be part of the Second Amendment Foundation, you can do that. And you, the easy place to to get that is to go to our website at sim-trainer.com. At the bottom of the homepage, there's a link to the Second Amendment Foundation and you can go out there and you can be a part of that as well. Um, there's there's a lot of expenses associated with it. There's a lot of legal action required in order to defend these kinds of things, and that's kind of what they do. One of the things that they have done is that they sent a freedom of information request to the ATF to seek um, several things, two, two sets of documents. First, copies of documents that show the number of FFLs the state of residents who have been prosecuted for willfully transferring a firearm to a prohibited person over the last three years. Uh, and that was from June 23rd, 2018 to June 23rd, 2021. So not uh, this this current session, um, this current time. And then uh, copies of documents that show the number of federal, license, uh, federal firearms licensees and their state of residence who have been prosecuted for ignoring and or refusing to cooperate with a tracing request from the ATF over the past three years, again, over that same time period. Now, they didn't ask for any specific names or other identifiers, so they're not going down to the FFL level, they just want aggregate numbers. So that's a perfectly legitimate um, kinds of thing to request from uh, the, the ATF on a FOIA request. Now, FOIA requests have to be responded to. They don't necessarily have to give you the information If the information for some reason has to be uh, protected, they can protect it. None of this is protectable information. They have not yet received a response to that request. And um, that's been, and of course, that was 11 months since the the request was filed and they haven't submitted, they haven't responded at all. And that's a violation of law. Now they're having, they, they really are in kind of a trick I doubt seriously that they'll be held accountable for it, but that's something that they either have to provide the information or they have to provide a reason why they haven't done either. The effort to hold the ATF accountable and the DOJ as, as part, as much as uh, they are involved in this, uh, is something that's ongoing. And if you would like to help with that project, you can, you can go to the second amendment foundation. Um, again, you can get their link from our website at sim-trainer.com, uh, it's I believe it's SAF.org. It is a 501c3 organization, so your donations are tax deductible. Uh, they're not doing advocacy in this, and they're not involved in politics. They're not. Uh, they don't support candidates and and the kinds of things that keep them from being able to be uh, recognized as as a charitable f- foundation 501c3. So your 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 donations to this organization are tax deductible, and uh, you can. You sh- if you are feel as strongly about this as I do, you can support that foundation as well. So go to um, our website at sim-trainer.com if you want to, to get there quickly. There's a lot of other information there as well. Click on the SAF link, and that will take you uh, that will take you directly to their website. I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here and talk about uh, a little bit of inside baseball stuff on the firearms industry. We've we've talked many times about the uh, the NICS checks as an indicator of the number of guns that are sold and we've also mentioned that as we've got 25 states now that have something that will substitute for a NICS check when you purchase a firearm. In Ohio, if you have a valid concealed handgun license, you don't have to go through a NICS check. Now that the dealer may choose to do that, you may go to some places that require that you fill out the form and that they actually run the check anyway but there's a lot of places, Sim is one of them. If you come to us to purchase a firearm and you have a, a, a valid concealed carry license from Ohio, we don't have to run the NICS check and we don't. We fill out the paperwork, you fill out your portion of it, we fill out our portion of it, we write down your information from your license on the form, and that ends it. We don't have to go uh, check the website or submit your request to the FBI and uh, get a proceed or a deny or a delay. Uh, back from them as we would on someone who doesn't have a concealed handgun license. Uh, That just speeds things up, makes it a little easier, makes it doesn't matter if the website is working or not, we are able to go ahead and complete the transfer. So more and more people with concealed handgun licenses in the state of Ohio now no longer have to go through that process. As we come up on the unlicensed carry there may be more people now having to go through that background check process when they purchase a firearm because they won't any longer have a valid concealed handgun license. So we may see some of those numbers go up and down a little bit uh, as, uh, as that happens. And now we've got 25 states that have permitless carry or some form of it. And so any of those states that were part of the 25 who had a permit that would not that would allow you to purchase a firearm without having to go through the process of a background check, you know, we'll, we'll see what those numbers do. But, um, this last month, April, that's the last month that we have complete data for. There was a, a slight decrease over the previous couple of years, but it's the third highest month, uh, f- third highest April oh, ever. So there's we still have a much higher number of firearms being purchased and, uh, based on the NSSF, The National Shooting Sports Foundation adjusts the NICS checks list because there are a bunch of reasons why NICS checks are run that don't involve the purchase of a firearm, like getting a concealed handgun license, for example. So uh, that's a decrease in about about, about 20% compared to the April 2021 numbers, um, which was uh, the highest that it's ever been, uh, highest April ever. So... In uh, and, and that the adjusted figure was 1.69 million guns, uh, or, or background checks that were that were completed. So again, that that isn't the number of guns that were sold. That's just the number of background checks uh, that were done for the transfer of a firearm. So that's a big number, and uh, that that's it's interesting to see that it is starting to back off just a little bit. But what does that mean in terms of the actual sales of firearms. Well, the best indicator that we have of that is the firearms and ammunition excise tax. Now, there isn't a current number for that. Uh, this goes back, and it's something that I've been wanting to cover for a while, but it goes back to uh, the end of uh, uh, December is the last data that we have available. And that data is not released until sometime quite a bit later. I think it was came out in March, March, um, March, April, early April timeframe. So it's gonna be a little while before we have the current data for the last quarter. But uh, going back to 2021, which is the last complete year that we have, there were 11 million, I'm sorry, $11 billion plus in firearms and ammunition sold for 2021. Now, where do I get that number from? It's a rough estimate. But it's based on the taxes that were paid for long guns, ammunition, and pistols and revolvers. So when you combine those together, they have different percentages of taxes. Uh, The total amount of tax paid was $1.2 billion in taxes just in in that 12 months of 2021. I'll talk more about this when we come back from the break. This is a pre-recorded edition of Shooting from the Hip with your host Mark Avery on 1290 and 957 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
1: It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather and traffic station, 1290 and 957 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
0: Welcome back to this pre-recorded edition of Shooting from the Hip. And before the break, we were talking about the industry contribution to the Wildlife Restoration Trust Fund since its inception in 1937. Sometimes, uh, well, it was created by the Pittman-Robertson Act. And so that's what it's often referred, that's the the way the tax is often referred to. And since then, over last year, in the middle of last year, in 2021, around, I believe it was around August, we hit the $14 billion contribution limit since, or level since 1937. And that occurred in the the last, it went from 13 to 14 in just the last couple of years, well, this year, we have already now hit $15 billion. So just in the last few months, um, we talked about last year's, I don't yet have totals for this year, but last year's totals, the contribution was $1.2 billion in all of last year. So uh, the, a large portion of that was at the end of the year. And uh, well, I mean, it's, it, there's just a, been a significant amount of guns. And ammunition sold. So uh, that is probably the best indication that we have of the number or the, the total dollar value, not numbers, but the total dollar value of guns and ammunition that are sold because at least in the United States, all of those have embedded in them this Pittman-Robertson tax. And so uh, what, we, what we know is that there were roughly $4.2 billion in handguns that were sold there was $3.3 billion in rifles and shotguns, long guns sold, and $3.8 billion worth of ammunition that was sold just in, the, in 2021. So uh, if you, you want to have a fairly accurate indication of how much has been going on in the industry, that's a pretty good number. Now, what happens when you go back uh, years before that? Well, it was about a. Uh, it was a little bit less than that. It was a, the, and I'm just going to now use the the total value of the tax, rather than the 11.4 billion dollars that is related to that because I have to break that out for each of the others. So that's 11.4 billion dollars in taxes in 2021. Uh, I mean, in in the sales in 2021 was as a result of the 1.2 billion dollars in taxes, in. 2020, it was 807 million, so less than a billion, and in uh, in 2019, it was 611, and in 2018, 643 million. So, uh, you've seen, just last year was a huge increase, and the last two years, of course, uh, we've expected and we've known that there was an increase, but we haven't really been able to see exactly how much that increase was. So this is a pretty good indication of that what that what the magnitude of that increase was in 2019 the numbers had dropped a little, but in six hundred and eleven billion dollars in taxes that were paid in 2019 to one point two billion dollars that were paid in 2021, that is nearly double the sales of handguns, long guns and ammunition just in two years. So, you know, the, obviously there was, there was a lot that we've known that there were increases. This is the first time I've seen that it was double what we had seen in just 2019. Now, 2019 was a little less than 2018 and I don't have the numbers handy for before that. Those are all available. I'm looking forward to seeing what the numbers will be when we get to the end of 2022, but also even just the first quarter. That might give us a a kind of a good indication of things that are going on. So obviously, even though the uh, administration is doing its very best to limit access to firearms by eliminating firearms licensed dealers, and uh, even though there's a a huge uh, Problems going on in the economy right now. The cost of of everything is going up. Uh, ammunition is obviously been up for some time, but now we also see all of the uh, the everything that we use, uh, fuel, uh, food, everything that's going has been going up because of the of the problems that we're having in our economy right now, and and all of the problems that we've talked about on this show kind of go back to one particular source, and that one source uh, we need to pay close attention to and do everything that we can to keep our eyes on what's going on in Washington and make sure that what we do um, and what they do goes along with both the Constitution and the things that the voters have elected them to do. That's the end of the show for the day. Thank you very much for being with me. I will have a pre-recorded show again next week. This is Mark Avery for Shooting From the Hip on 1290 and 957 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk.
1: It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station. 1290 and 957 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk.